so many of the problems facing us right now and the really terrible and sometimes even violent debates that have been occurring come down to battles with science deniers. COVID-19 and whether or not it even exists or is a hoax or vaccines work or uh, treatments for COVID-19 and even masks, right? Conspiracies and people who don't believe in the science. And then, of course, climate change, everything just last week that pointed to the disastrous uh, effects of global warming. And still there are people who deny the science. Joining me to talk about how to talk to a science denier is the author of How to Talk to a Science Denier. Lee McIntyre is the uh, a research fellow at the Center for Philosophy and History of Science at Boston University and instructor in ethics at Harvard Extension School and the author of How to Talk to a Science Denier, Conversations with Flat Earthers, Climate Deniers, and Others Who Defy Reason. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So a lot of scientists have really given up talking to um, deniers, but but you say that's wrong, both factually and morally, um, that those people can and do change their minds, although it requires someone to put it in the in the time to put in the time to overcome distrust. Uh, tell us about that kind of approach and um, identifying a science denier and their reasoning? Yeah, um, the most important thing to remember is that you, you've got to get it out of your head that facts are going to work. You can't because that's not why the person is a science denier in the first place. It's not based on doubt. Uh, doubt can be overcome with evidence. It's based on distrust. And if you distrust someone, then no matter what information they share with you, you're, you're not going to believe it. And I think that that's the, really the number one mistake that people make. Uh, really, there are two main mistakes they make in these kind of conversations. One is, uh, you know, fact flinging. They'll just, you know, uh, say what they, they think is true uh, and not listen, not have a conversation. But the other is that they get angry. And that's a huge mistake because, in fact, quite a bit of science denial is about identity. It's not just what the person believes, it's who they are. And when you insult their beliefs, you're insulting them as a person. That just leads to further polarization, and you'll never get through to them. You wrote about your experience at the Flat Earth International Conference in Denver. Uh, as you spoke with Flat Earthers, you strove to raise questions and also uh, have a conversation with them. And, you know, you, you said you can't convince them with facts alone, uh, but that they don't have a deficit of information. It's that deficit of trust that you just talked about. So how do you engage with them to trust um the uh, sources of information, if that that is what their whole being is about. Well, that's uh, that's a very interesting question because, in some ways, you'd think that that would be the hardest part, but it's really the easiest part. You have to show up. You have to be there in person. These sorts of conversations are best had 
face to face, one on one, if you can swing it, because there's something really quite magical that happens when human beings are in the same room with one another and talking to one another. It's harder to hate. It's harder to insult and raise your voice and get angry. I mean, certainly it can happen. But if you go into these conversations modeling patience and respect and, and a calm attitude and, and actually listen, uh, usually you get that sort of behavior back. And that's when the walls begin to come down. That's when, it, when engagement occurs, then trust begins to build. It's not easy, right? If you're talking to somebody who's a stranger and you're trying to build trust, uh, it's hard, especially if their views are based on conspiracy theories. Uh, one of the, the main tenets of most um, science, uh, people who believe in science denial is that they believe in conspiracy theories. Flat Earth is, for the most part, based on the idea that um, this, that the shape of the Earth is being held from us uh, through the work of the devil. I mean, that's as big a conspiracy as you can imagine. So you've really got a lot to overcome, but most of it you overcome by showing up, listening, and being pleasant in these conversations. I want to come back to that, but I want to focus in on what you write about um, the in disinformation that Russia has uh, put forth and targeting Republicans. And a lot of it is about uh, lies questioning science. And, you know, in the pandemic, the rifts have been uh, hurting us with regard to how the virus um, it exists in the world. And, um, you know, we've got claims that vaccines make you infertile or contain microchips. Why do people choose these conspiracies over science? And how could uh, an entity like Russia actually target people and so easily um, manipulate their thinking? The the sad fact is that we're all subject to manipulation through propaganda. Um, the cognitive biases are pre-built into our brains. And so what, what happens is that if you're um, polarized, if you think that, uh, say, you, you, know, you distrust one side in the debate, then you're more susceptible to um, manipulation by the other side in the debate. And you look at foreign governments, um, sometimes science denial is about money, like the uh, tobacco, uh, whether tobacco causes lung cancer, and the tobacco companies fought that pretty well for about 40 years. Uh, another is climate change. That's for the most part about money, but it's become ideological. But some of the other ones, just imagine, um, what, what do foreign governments have to get out of this? They've got us at one another's throats. They've got America about as polarized as it can possibly get around factual matters and uh, you know about a life and death matter now about COVID. And I think that's just precisely where they want us to be. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this is not a secret. Uh, people treat this as if you, know, you have to break into CIA headquarters to find this out. The, these were uh, front page stories uh, a few months back in uh, mainstream media in the New York Times and the Washington Post and, and other places about the fact that uh, Russian intelligence was targeting uh, scientific topics. Uh, COVID is not the only one. It's happened with climate change. It's happened with GMOs, with uh, anti-vax before COVID. There, there was a terrific story in the New York Times a few years back called Putin's Long War Against Science. This is part of their 
uh, information warfare campaign against the United States. And obviously, they've been successful um, in certain areas, and COVID-19 is one of them, where we have a large part of the population that believes these uh, conspiracies, some of them crazy, also about treatments uh, and that are either dangerous or um, haven't been proven uh, to work, uh, to have any, uh, you know, positive effect uh, when the vaccines do. So we get how people are easily manipulated and certainly what's behind it and the why. How do you speak to somebody? what, What advice do you give to somebody who, and we've had many people call the program Mm-hmm. Uh, who are in this situation have a relative, a friend. This isn't, you know, there are people arguing with strangers and, you know, that's that's happening everywhere. But there are people who they have friends and relatives. There's already a, a bond, uh, some sort of trust, but they will not get uh, vaccinated. And then they put forth yeah. these conspiracies. How do they talk to them? It's a funny thing because when you're talking about family and friends, the trust is already there. And so, I mean, that that's half the battle right there. Uh, sometimes I think that people are reluctant to have these conversations because, you know, they, they don't want to make it worse or they, you know, they don't, they don't want to uh, have a rift with a family member. You know, they'll, they'll say it's, you know, it's not worth it to do it. On the other hand, sometimes people go at it way too hard. There's something about the fact that they're a family member um, that leads to disrespect rather than respect. You know, people will be insulting sometimes with those that, that they're closest to in their lives. And both of those things, I think, are a mistake. You have to, if it's family or friends, you know, realize this is a great opportunity. This is an advantage. Yeah, everybody should be able to do this. And just begin to ask them questions uh, about what they believe and why they believe it. You might, in fact, just ask them, well, why do you trust that source and not this source? Well, who told you that? Well, how do you know that that source is trustworthy, et cetera, et cetera? And sometimes, you know, you're not just going to straight up probably talk them out of it, but by raising enough questions and planting enough seeds of doubt in their own mind, you might be able to, uh, to you know, to make some headway. Look, one thing that's been happening uh, that you know we've all seen is that fervent uh, anti-vaxxers, once they get COVID or once they have a family member that gets COVID, the whole family will go out and get vaccinated. Why does it have to come to that? Why, why so much heartache? You know, and then they'll say, "Oh, we had no idea it was so bad." Um, it, it's it's important that we have these conversations. So asking a lot of questions so that in a sense they're raising the questions and have to formulate an answer rather than telling them things straight out. I, I, I think there's something to that. Uh, when, you, when you listen to somebody, they feel heard and they're happy about that. And then they're also more likely to listen to you. This happened to me at the Flat Earth uh, International Conference. Uh, I would, for the most part, just let them talk. And then eventually, even the, you know, the worst monologuer will finally say, don't you think I'm right? Or what do you think? And then it's your opportunity to ask a few questions. And I, I had a pretty good one that I, that I like to use uh, due to a philosopher named Karl Popper. Um, and what I say is this, you know, it sounds to me like your view is based on evidence. 
And they say, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. And then I'll say, well, then tell me what evidence, if I had it in my back pocket, could convince you to change your mind? And sometimes that stops them because they've never really thought of it that way. And what you're doing by asking that question is encouraging them to think more like a scientist. Scientists can tell you in advance what would change their mind. And that's really the hallmark of science, to be able to change your mind in the face of new evidence. But ideologues, um, especially people who are ideologues because of disinformation, they're not often able to do that. And when that happens, just pause for a minute and let them sit with why they can't answer that question. Don't let them get away with saying, oh, just prove it. That's, that's not right. That's not how science works. They, they can't prove their side either. A lot of these people, and, and not all of them, I think we see political perspectives among anti-vaxxers, but a lot of them are Trump supporters, and they followed Trump's initial uh, attacks on COVID as a hoax and you know all kinds of other stuff. But he's been vaccinated, and he's actually said at a couple of his events people should get vaccinated or he's, mm -hmm. he's said it in an interview and he actually got booed at one of them. He did. I saw. Um, and I wondered, <laughs> are we overrating um, somebody of authority who they, they do trust to say something because here he said that and they didn't seem to trust him. He, Trump's a political figure um, uh, of course. And so uh, political figures don't really have, I don't, I don't care whose team they're on, if you want to think of it that way, they don't tend to be very credible on these sorts of topics. Um, there was a uh, uh, famous uh, Republican pollster named Frank Luntz, who ran a focus group of uh, about 19 or 20 people who were uh, vaccine hesitant, let's just put it that way. They, they, they had some real problems with the vaccines, they weren't going to take the vaccines. And he tried out several different messages uh, with them from several different figures. The ones from the politicians tended to fall flat. You know, the celebrities, the sports stars, that stuff didn't work. What finally worked um, was a, uh, a scientist, a, a doctor, who was humble and, you know, in his demeanor, more or less said, look, we don't know everything, but here's what we think that we do know. And that's what kind of won them over, just that, that bit of humility. It was, they all talked about the way that he did it. And by the end of um, the focus group, all 19 of the people, I think one had to leave early, but all 19 of the people who were left uh, said that they were now more likely to take the vaccine. These were partisan uh, people. I'm not sure they were all Republicans, but I, they, they might've been, I know Luntz was. Um, and but you know progress was made, and it was made because one of the messengers was humble, was patient, was kind, and had empathy. We're experiencing extreme uh, weather event after event, uh, and seeing the effects of um, global warming, and we've seen maybe. Uh, maybe among some Republicans, a shift. I'm not sure whether they really were science deniers or were just feeding the science deniers for, <laughs> you mentioned it earlier, money purposes. But you write about surprising discussions with coal miners in rural Pennsylvania about climate change. Tell us about that. Um, 
I went up to, after the Flat Earth Convention, I went up to rural Pennsylvania thinking that, okay, now I've learned how to speak to the worst of the worst, science deniers. So I was ready for the issue that I really cared about, which was climate change. So I had some friends who were union organizers uh, help me to put together an event where I was going to um, treat everybody to dinner and we were just going to sit there the whole evening and talk about climate change. And we especially wanted coal miners to show up. Three of them did. Uh, and there were a smattering of other folks there, including folks from the Center for Cold Field Justice and some journalists and, and others. Um, it shocked me because all three of the um, coal miners believed that climate change was real. And when they said that, when we kind of went around the room and figured it out, it's like a jury kind of figuring out where everybody sat. I sort of admonished myself internally thinking, of course, why would I have the stereotype? Why would I assume that just because they were earning their living from the uh, extraction industry that they would be climate deniers? And we really had quite a cordial conversation in which I was able to uh, talk to them. And they were able to talk to me. And I learned a lot about some of the pressures that they're up against. And they talked about uh, you know, folks that they knew who, uh, you know, who were climate deniers. And it really enlarged my understanding of that issue in particular, that it's not just about um, belief, it's about caring. And you know, I think that that insight could help us with COVID as well. Um, is, it, is it completely about what folks believe or is it that, are they not concerned with their fellow human beings? Does it matter who uh, is in their orbit? Because as I said before, when somebody in, in their orbit, when a family member gets COVID, it tends to change their mind. So maybe the, one of the uh, ways to address science denial is to enlarge our circle of concern. And we do that by talking to one another, to have more friends who disagree with us that we care about. Really uh, important uh, takeaway here is to engage and talk to people, even if you're feeling you're at wit's end, uh, just do it. Because we've heard from people who say, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Well, they, they when people say, I can't do it anymore, I wonder what they've been doing. Because I mean, and I, I understand, and I, I, you know, I understand what they, what they might have been doing. But sometimes folks who say that, what they mean by that is, I've been yelling and nobody's <laughs> right. been listening to me. Why are these people so stupid that they won't listen to me? And that is not going to get you across, you know, over the mountain, mm -hmm. right? So uh, plus it makes you angrier. I mean, it, it, it costs something. Look, these kinds of conversations are uncomfortable in the first place. Add anger to it. And you'll be more exhausted in having right. these conversations. You, it's, you know, to, to be calm, I guess to try to approach it with a certain level of curiosity, but also to remember, it's important to remember one very important thing. Most of the people who are deniers are victims. They're victims of this disinformation. They didn't make it up. They didn't invent the theory about ivermectin. They didn't one day it didn't occur to them that if they breathe into their mask, they would get you know CO2 poisoning. Uh, that's something that that's disinformation that they were fed by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if you can remember that, it can help you to have empathy. And I know that's really hard because people are dying. You know, the folks who are 
not taking the vaccines are not just endangering their own lives, but the people around them. Now that kids, I think I saw this morning on the news that a quarter of the cases were now kids. Uh, This is, uh, you know, what a hot button issue. But if we continue to scream at one another, I just, I don't think that that's going to make it. Well, I appreciate your thoughts and certainly uh, enjoyed this conversation. I think uh, a lot of people uh, will get a lot out of it. Thanks so much for coming on the program today. Thank you for having me. Uh, Lee McIntyre is the author of How to Talk to Science Denier, Conversations with Flat Earthers, Climate Deniers, and Others Who Defy Reason. You can follow him on Twitter at Lee C. McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-R-Y. T-Y-R-E. I'm sorry. We're back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Michelangelo Signorelli Show on Sirius XM. 